we go. This is the Individual Skills Hockey Podcast, a podcast that aims to bring quality education to youth hockey coaches, parents, and players with the mission of having a positive impact on the crazy youth hockey world. I'm your host, Miles Deeth, and I'm pretty excited about this episode. We have uh, Ben Monahan sitting here in the studio live in person, and in a few moments we are going to be calling the East Grand Forks youth hockey director, Judd Staus. And East Grand Forks has always kind of intrigued me, uh, I think, for you too, Ben. Yeah, I mean, they always seem to, I mean, everybody in the North seems to have, uh, you know, success with their youth programs and high school programs. And I think us in the cities always kind of made me wonder how that is, how that works, uh, why that is. Yeah, with like and such small numbers producing high-end players and also having like team success. Yeah, I, mean, I think the amount of D1 players that have come out of those programs up there um, with the limited, uh, you know, size of their youth program, I think is pretty, uh, pretty impressive to say the least. And I think East Grand does um, some cool things that are a little bit unique. Um, so we're just excited to talk to Judd and uh, get kind of the lay of the land up there and, and get his advice on some changes we should make maybe down in the metro. So, All right, we are pleased to be joined by uh, Judd Staus. He's the youth hockey uh, director. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that title for up in uh, East Grand Forks. Um, thanks for being here, Judd, and um, we're excited to talk to you. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. I, uh, I, um, I'm excited for the, for the podcast. Hey, Judd, uh, this is Ben Monahan here. Um, uh, I, we'll start off with a, with a little icebreaker here to get everybody going. I know you attended the University of Denver played hockey there is that correct that is correct tell me uh how much uh money you maybe lost this last weekend when denver was up at north dakota and and, and how the series ended up <laughs> i'll tell you what i didn't i didn't lose any money i did uh two of two of my pv players bet me um and the bet was the bet was i had to wear a north dakota jersey to uh, monday's practice and they would have had to wear obviously a denver jersey had the series one went in denver's favor but lo and behold, in the locker room, they allowed me to to uh, pay them off, <laughs> and it was it was for a very low amount. So they they opened them all too quick, and I said done. So um, ended up um, not being too bad. But the series was the series was you know was pretty good. North Dakota was certainly the better team on on uh, on Friday night, Saturday night. It, it was a back and forth game, and obviously there was a five minute major in the third pen, third period that. Uh, North Dakota's power play capitalized and and uh, certainly earned them the win. Awesome, glad you're able to have some fun with your team. That's pretty cool to uh, to go to do with them. Um, and like Miles had said, uh, you know, East Grand Forks is a unique um, uh, youth association, as uh, maybe a lot of the associations in the north. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your role within East Grand Forks youth hockey, and then how? Uh, how, how the association is run with the city involved. Yeah, and it, uh, it is definitely a, a unique, unique uh, I guess, call it association, but we're, I guess we're really not an association because the, the unique part is that we're city, city run. And I don't believe that there are many programs left in Minnesota, if any, that are, that are run by the city. So I guess we don't really call ourselves an association. We're just a, guess, a city run hockey program. And I guess my, if you were to call the title, it would be development coordinator or director. All right, so I'm, hey. o, I'm o for one on the on the correct title there, but that's all right. <laughs> it's all right. And how long have you been actively involved in that role, Judd? How, how long have you been 
involved with East Grand Forks Youth Hockey? You know, I I, um, I helped out. It was years ago, back probably in 2008, nine and ten, when there was a group of uh, a group coming up that some of the parents, coaches asked me to help out a little bit on the defensive side of the game. <clears throat> that was prior to you know when my kids were born. So after that, um, I I, uh, I what do you want to call it? Take it a break, took a break or whatever, but started back up probably in what 2013. I think my oldest boy then um, started that middle of that winter. And so ever since then, I've, I've been, uh, I've been involved, kind of came up the ladder, you know, starting in termites. And I, I suppose we should miles while we're here, um, probably make a, uh, let Judd make a comment about last night. I believe there was a big game in town last yeah. night, East Grand Forks and Moorhead, uh, or War no, Road. Warroad, Warroad. Yeah. East Warroad. Grand Forks, Warroad. Judd, why don't you tell us about that game quickly and, and what the atmosphere is like for an East Grand Forks Warroad game? You know, honestly, the atmosphere last night, as I told many people, was was the best in any the largest crowd I've seen at a high school game, other than a section final game that I've ever um, been a part of in East Grand Forks. So, um, Warroad traveled re- very well last night, um, and obviously, you know, we had a lot of fans from East Grand Forks, and there were fans from um, Grand Forks. So, the atmosphere and the the uh, excitement in the arena was awesome, and the game certainly didn't let us down. Um, it was a great game overall. I think it was, you know, Warroad went up 1-0. We went up or tied them up 1-1 and went up 2-1. And it seemed like every time we'd score, they came back the next shift and score. So they tied it up right away 2-2. Two two. Um, and then in the third, we went up 3-2 and boom, just like that, you know, next shift, <laughs> they tied it up 3-3. Three three and we were just like peepers sitting there. And then finally, <clears throat> I don't know, eight minutes left, uh, seven minutes left, I don't remember what it was, but we were able to score one goal to go up 4-3 and another goal, you know, a few minutes later. And that kind of, um, I guess, took a little pressure off the guys and then ended up uh, with an open net uh, with a minute, minute or so to go. So overall, it was a great high school hockey team against two very, um, you know, very good teams, very good programs. Um, both of them obviously hate to lose. And, um, you know, fortunately, East Grand Forks was able to come out there with a the win last night. That's awesome. Uh, I wanted to ask about... I'm sure you had a lot of youth players in attendance at the game. Do you guys do anything special with um, getting them out to the games as far as making sure that they might not have events um, during that conflict with the, those those high school games or anything that ties into the youth? Yeah, most certainly. Um, our, our scheduler does a great job with the, you know, whether it's a boys game or a girls game, we never practice um, during a boys game. So um we try to get our practices if it's your your day out of the way before the game start um and vice versa if the girls are playing the girls you know won't practice during a girls game so our our youth hockey is always encouraged and um they never have a uh, a conflict with hockey anyway that wouldn't allow them to go to the game and last night was even even better with it was fan appreciation night so that was that was certainly helpful as long as well as the termites play in between the first and second period so that uh, that obviously creates you know some more fans and some excitement with the little guys out there skating around. That's so cool. So hey hey Judd, uh, kind of uh, the way East Grand Forks works uh, when it comes to, like their decision making. Um, do do you have a committee in place? So obviously you know in the cities um, you you have boards, you have uh, hockey operations committees, things like that. Does East Grand Forks have that? And if so, 
tell us a little bit about that committee or, or, or who sits on it or how, like how the decision making, you know, don't tell us the details of the decision, decision making yet. Cause those will come up in questions later, but just how, how does that committee work operate? And, and is there one? Well, I guess first off, um, there, there really isn't a committee. Um, you know, we're run by the, like I said, by the city, we have a park and recreation superintendent. He's in charge of technically of the hockey program. We have a recreation director who he oversees the, you know, the hockey program does all the scheduling does all the, um, whether it's scheduling for, you know, for games, tournaments, as well as arena scheduling. And he's probably our go-to as far as, um, you know, if we have questions, changes, um, you know, anything that we, feel you know as a program that you know we need to improve on and you know when, when big decisions come about you know we just it's not just one or two people or um it's it's usually um a, you know a group whether it's our high school coach you know myself um tenured coaches you know we've involved the high school ad who who has a great hockey background as well at university of north dakota so typically it's you know it's a group of people that that um, you know, have been around for a long time. That know the game. That have studied the game. That have done research. You know, on development, research on you know this, the decisions that we're making, to just make sure that you know, obviously, we're hopefully making the right decision for the best of our program. Yeah, just a quick follow up on that. Um, I guess, do you find that you're able to make some of the minor decisions um, throughout the year a little bit faster? than um, if comparing to association with a 12 to 14, 16 person board, kind of signing off on everything and, and getting bogged down in, in kind of the red tape, do you find that you're able to, to change and adapt faster um, with your kind of small group there? You know, obviously I don't know what it's, you know, what it's like to be in one of those bigger associations, but I understand, I get it. You know, there's, there's boards, there's, like you said, there's, there's members of up to probably 16 members that you have to go through so you know honestly i would say that yes it's probably quite a bit easier um and less painful in in our situation where um you know we don't have as many people <coughs> i guess to go through um but at the same time you know it's it's always thought out and it's always there's always a reasoning behind it there we don't just go in and say okay let's do this today because we feel like it you know there's always some statistics there's a lot of statistics behind the stuff we do um there's a lot of reasoning a lot of you know thinking a lot of reaching out to you know many different people organizations um it could be you know ushl coaches it could be college coaches it could be um you know who knows depending on what the the situation is just to get opinions and make sure that you know obviously we're making the right decision for our kids nice Awesome. Hey, Judd. Uh, so let's just, uh, you know, role play here for the for fun of it and, and say that you are a hockey operations director um, in, in the cities. And we won't use YZ as an example, as that's the arena we're sitting in, but just. And also the guy that is in that role across the table from me. <laughs> that, that is Miles' role, sure. actually. And, and I'm a former gotcha. hockey operations director for a large association. But let's say you are a uh, lead of a hockey operations committee in the cities. Would you implement the same things that you uh have been doing in east grand forks uh in the cities and if so do you think it would be successful as well you know the easy answer is um 100 i would there'd be there'd be um there, there'd be no doubt that i would 
I would try to do exactly or, you know, close to what we're doing. Having said that, it's not easy. I, I understand that. I get that. Um, but I would do my best to to try to figure out a way. And, and you know, I think there are ways. Um, I know ice time, obviously, is probably the biggest issue, um, uh, as well as as well as you know, conflicts with different people and what they think, what their beliefs are. Um, but you know, you have to you have to have thick skin. You have to be prepared uh, to to take some heat and and stand by you know what you believe in and obviously the support is key right you, you need to have support um it can't just be yourself um you know it, this isn't a me thing it's a we thing and that there's numerous people within our organization that, that believe in what we're doing and and you know that helps um but if it were just me just say coming to you know wherever it is down in the cities um you know if if uh it, it would be the only way man that i would do it i, I would never um I would never do it any other way. And I just, I, I believe so much in it and the statistics and the ice time, the ice touches, the work to rest ratio practices, the games, the smaller games, the, you know, the half ice games and squirts. It just, it, there's just so many positives that come out of it. And, you know, the studying, the re, studying the research that we've done, um, it, like, I get, like I said before, it's not just you wake up one day and say, okay, let's just do it this way. It's, it's a lot of research and, Quite honestly, a lot of our um, a lot of our program is based off of Finland and Sweden, and that um, those two countries over there are are the top producing countries in in, in in hockey or for hockey players per you know registered youth players, and uh, you know quite honestly, it's not even close. So we've looked long and hard at what they're doing, why they're doing, how they're doing it, and um, we try to try to uh, implement as many, as many things from over there as that we can. I, I love that. Um, just kind of a random question here that's going to lead into my next one. Um, how many squirts do you have this year? We have 44 skaters and four goalies. Okay, so that ends up being what, three teams or four? We have four teams. Okay. Our teams are always small. And, yeah, and the reason I ask that is, like, if you're trying to get across a certain concept of getting coaches on board with more small area games of practice or a certain way we're going to develop stick handling skill, um, basically, and I'm not making an excuse for myself here, Wyzetta, with, with 10, 11 squirt teams, is, like, you only have to get four coaches on board um, to implement that stuff. Um, whatever it, it is. And I think that's the biggest difficulty here is just getting, it's just more people that you have to convince of, of changes that you want to make. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yes. And no. Um, the four coaches, I, I don't, I guess we have, we have 12 square coaches. So, right. Yeah. Um, and they're all dad, they're all parents. Okay. We don't have one non-parent coach, you know, within our square program. Um, so the, the belief and the trust starts down in termites, right? Like that's where we, we start this whole process. And these coaches, you know, go through the process in termites. They go through it in mites. They, then they, they come to squirts. They already know the process. It's a very similar structure, especially from mites to, you know, to squirts. So you're kind of eliminating the, the, um, uh, skepticism or whatever you want to call it because you've already you've already been there right we these coaches are trained they know how to do it 
we couldn't do it without them, you know, all the 12 squirt coaches that we have. So um, once we get to squirts, it, it, it's just it's just another year, right? Yeah, and, it's kind of on um, autopilot, autopilot at that point. It, yeah. It is at this point. Now, not to say when you start at the, you know, the first year, you know, when we did it back in 2019 and 20, it was, it was a battle. There's no, there's, you know, there's no question. Um, so it wasn't easy at that time. And, uh, you know, the group that went from playing full ice the whole year, you know, then all of a sudden they had to go back to half ice, you know, their second year of squirts, you know, those coaches and those, those players, it was tough. Um, so, you know, yeah, that was, that was, that was hard. And, and, but we stuck by it. We didn't, we didn't budge. Um, we just stuck to the process and, you know, quite honestly, we told them in April and, you know, they had all summer and or spring, summer and fall to, to think about it. And, you know, it just, it, it all worked out in the end. Um, and, you know, we're, we're five years down the road now and it's, it's, it's pretty much seamless. So, um, Yes, at the beginning, it's it's tough, it's hard, um, but if you start the process down at termites and you stick to it and you have your, your progressions as you get older, um, I think it's, it's pretty seamless, honestly. Cool. Um, and, and hey, Judd, how, so kind of to piggyback off what Miles is talking about there about, you know, trying to get coaches on board, that's, you know, obviously, you know, he when he's saying 11 teams, you know, three four coaches that you know that's 40 coaches just at the squirt level alone and other large associations in the cities whatnot but when you implement new ideas or you bring things in you know how is it received so so for instance uh pep is is something you guys do there um and in the cities when i so when i was a hawk director at st michael we we had pep and i'm a big believer of it and the teams that were would buy into it uh saw the benefit but there was definitely not buy-in from everybody. How was PEP received from from your community, your youth program? And now that you've been doing it, how you know how would you say that it's impacted your program overall? And did everybody buy in right away, or did it take time? Why don't we just just define like what PEP is for those that don't know? Perfect. Have at it. Yeah. So you can start with that, and then answer Ben's question. Yeah, PEP is basically um, just a skill development tool that um, that apparatus that, that we put out on the ice, which has a stick and a um, kind of, or mimicked off of two feet um, and your stick zone, um, if you're standing with your feet um, shoulder width apart and your stick is down on the ice, they have the, there's an area, the triangle where you you know you can place the puck through. So um, basically, it's just a skill development tool that that we implemented. Ooh, five years ago or so, and um, it's Power Edge Pro, uh, based off of their, from Joe Quinn, who um, who trained Connor McDavid when he was a kid, and he's obviously their ambassador. And um, I think we were the first program in Minnesota to get that. And uh, since you know, since we've got it, I know there's numerous programs on the state that have that have jumped on board. Um, but to answer your question, was it a battle right away? Absolutely. You know, um, number one, the hardest thing with one of the hardest things was, was learning it. I went out to Toronto um, before we we had already got it, but I shouldn't say got it, we already agreed to get it. But I went out to train out there and I was just spinning in circles wondering how in the world we were going to make this work because it was so it looked so complicated the first time you stepped out on the ice. But you know, having been through it for that week and then obviously bringing it home, they came and trained us. Um, 
and then implementing it like we did the first year. Um, yeah, it, there was certainly growing pains um, with coaches, um, with uh, you know, you know, coaches who did believe who didn't believe. But ultimately, you know, we weren't perfect our first year, um, and we we've made adjustments, you know, throughout the years to make sure that kids, um, coaches, goalies, players, you know, didn't get bored with you know with the process. But but we still have pep night every Monday night, you know, and um, whether we call it, we call it skills night now, so we don't call it pep night, but the adjustments, you know, we're on the ice for an hour and 15. Every group is, they're all together. Um, it's all the bands are together, all the sports, TVs, um, nights. Um, we all practice together and go through our pep circuits or whatever it is for that night. If it's a station-based pep practice or a circuit-based um, pep practice. And then, you know, we end with smaller games. So um, right now, again, just like our, you know, I refer to our squirt program. I think our pep program is, it's just, it's seamless. Everybody knows it. Um, we start introducing it as, as early as termites. And when I say introducing it, you just set one out there or two out there or five out there just so they see them. They jump over them. They don't, you know, do anything really with them. Maybe they'll put a puck underneath them if, if they can. But at least so when they get to mites, they know what a pep looks like. And that's when we really start um, implementing the, the training tools, the skills um, of pep um, with our program. And what were some of the most common pushbacks to it I, I would i would assume it it was it would fall along the lines of like some um, nervousness that kids aren't going to learn how to play a full ice game when they actually get to their games and stuff like that or um and how did you address them you know i don't know if it was if it was that so much are you talking with pep yeah yeah just yeah. like the the, yeah. the the main pushbacks on it you know it it was it was mainly from the older you know the old school coaches um who you know always are afraid of change right like we have that all over minnesota um something new comes out something new is is um is whatever it's, whether it's designed as an apparatus on the ice or a new way of training a new way of teaching you know hockey um there's there's stubbornness and you know i think that was our biggest issue was you know was the stubbornness and it's hard, like these kids, like especially like the Bantam kids, because they've never had it, and so they're they're learning at an age where it's harder. And you know, we did it with our high school kids that's those same years, and you know, it was ugly. And so their attitudes and their you know work ethic and their you know, dedication to trying to get better with Pep was was difficult. Um, whereas you take a mite, you take the you know the the younger kids who are just starting to learn it, and those mites. Are, are now second year peewees and they like they get mad if we don't do pep you know like they're like why, why aren't we doing pep tonight you know so the attitudes and the the willingness to do it and to get better um from the kids who started back down at the might level compared to the kids at the you know that just got it as a high school player or as a bantam or as a you know first year bantam second year bantam it, it was hard and it was it was difficult you know some people just don't believe in and uh you know throwing an apparatus on the ice for that'll allow a kid to get better um myself personally i think it's one of the best things we've ever added to our program um so um you know it's just uh it's, it's just again you have to you have, you have to have thick skin and you have to stick to the process and you, you just don't deviate you don't necessarily give options and um but honestly if you don't believe in it and you don't want to teach it then they're Maybe you shouldn't be coaching. 
So, Judd, I would completely agree. I mean, like when we had it at, at St. Michael, um, I bought into it. Our, our coaching staff bought into it. And we we did it regularly um, every week that we had it. I think we tried to do it on Monday nights as well. With the amount of teams we had, we couldn't always do every team Monday nights. You didn't always have it. But um, we would see the the lower-level teams in particular uh, go go against it or, or go away from it because they came off of a tournament and they uh, you know they couldn't do a breakout or they couldn't uh, you know execute that neutral zone trap or whatever you want to call it. So we we got kicked back from the, the the lower level teams always because they didn't think their teams needed to work on that kind of stuff. And so what I'm what I'm getting to is with your programs there, knowing that you have a squirt and I think you have a peewee as well. Do you run your levels stuff or is it like team by team coaches run it how, how does that work with running the uh your skill nights that you call it yeah you know our, our skill night is it, it's it, and i know there's with larger programs it's hard but i know there's ways to probably manipulate it and do it but we're fortunate where you know we only have one bantam group one um kiwi group one squirt group one mite group um that go through our skill our skill night this year because of just how, how numbers have worked so all of our teams are always together on Monday nights, regardless. So we don't have that coach that comes in and you know is worried about his breakouts or the power play or you know whatever it be. It's it's non-negotiable that Monday night is a skill development night, whether it's you know seventy percent pep and you know thirty percent you know some other skill development stuff that we do before you, we turn it to smaller games. So like we don't, there is no option really, um, and it's but it's you know it's there's no argument with it either like nobody everybody it's been around for like i said this the fifth year now and it's it's not where coaches and um or players want to deviate from that process on monday nights because monday nights is just it's a skill night and that that uh that's just what it is and and there's no um i guess there's no way around it yeah we have a Monday night skill night um, here at, at Wyzetta with our high school coaching staff that runs um, uh, skill development. Uh, we don't use PEP, um, but, uh, you know, it's a lot of skating, a lot of, a lot of puck skills, a lot of stick skills. So, so I think that stuff is great. I wanted to um, move on to something that I think makes your program there pretty unique across the state of Minnesota. So I wanted you to describe um, how your squirts work um, through – kind of when they start up and um, tryouts and everything like that. Sure, sure. Um, okay, so, you know, as I was talking before, and I'll start with our termites, right? We have a progression with our termites. We play one six of the ice. Um, when we do, you know, they have their little Saturday morning scrimmages. They skate for a half hour, and then they do their, their scrimmages. So they're playing a one sixth of the ice. Um, maybe at the end of the year, we'll progress with our termites to cross ice. So blue line or top of the circle cross ice game. Um, when these kids get to mites, they're playing cross ice games um, the whole year, and we call it like their candy at the end of the year. In fact, this weekend they have a jamboree, so they get to play half ice. So that's kind of their excitement, their um, end of the year, um, you know, like I said, candy that they that they get to you know enjoy the the half ice games. And then so when we get to our squirts, you know, obviously that program is is. Uh, you know, is a bit different, and yes, um, it, it it's based around half ice games, in-house half ice games. Um, also, 
we all practice together. So like I said earlier, we have 44 squirts, skaters, we have four goalies. Um, the majority of our practices are, are always together, especially from, you know, we start our, our, uh, our clinics, you know, middle of, middle of October. Um, and then our regular season starts probably right around, you know, November 1st or so. So those teams are always, or those, those kids are always practicing together. And within that, we create our in-house teams. And um, of those in-house teams, we, we play half ice um, up until January 1st. And then January 1st is when we will, um, and when I say we, we split to four, we split to full ice. We don't play our full ice games until January 15th. But USA Hockey makes you have your rosters in by by January 1st. So um, we, we might have another half ice weekend, you know, the first week of January. And then obviously the second or third weekend, whatever it ends up being, we'll, we'll go to our full ice games. But within that whole process, you know, the coaches, like I said, we have 12 coaches. So um, we're, you know, we're evaluating from day one is, is how it works. There's no, there's no, you know, December 15th time where, okay, we're going to have a tryout. Um, the tryout starts, you know, basically November 1st um, when all the coaches are out there and you just, you know, we start putting kids into groups based upon, you know, talent. That That's something we do, you know, termites, mites, um, and squirts as well. Um, they're always, they're always placed with of like talent and we just see how that rolls with them, you know, throughout the, throughout the practices, throughout the uh, in-house games. And then, you know, coaches will rank it rank the kids depending on again teams and where we need to split that that number you know some years it's one to 15 some years it's one to 25 but kids will be ranked and then um, based off those ranking that rankings that's how that's how our teams are picked um, and it's you know this is again our fifth year I believe you know in our sport program and it, it, it's worked out great we have not had I don't think really any complaints as far as how the teams are picked um, it seems to work you know pretty well and, and most importantly these coaches they put in a ton of time and um their input is as valuable as anybody's so um it, it's good that they all get to have a say and honestly the votes go to they go to our superintendent and he spits out a spreadsheet and that's that's how our teams are picked that's cool so prior to january 1st those those in-house teams are they completely equal across like four equal teams based on kind of your early evaluations of the kids? You know, honestly, um, that that process changes every year. Um, and we play, like, we do play Grand Forks sometimes and come across and play some half-ice games. Um, and, you know, depending on the year, depending on the time of year, depending on our, you know, um, as coaches, trying to just trying to keep excitement going within the, within the within the group we do different things for instance this year we picked um i think there was two captains for every team right and then we threw the sticks in the middle and so the sticks in the middle you know we just have the coach go throw sticks and and then i think we let the kids make trades right you can make one trade um and we did that for probably two or three weeks the kids absolutely loved it yeah that's pretty and fun for the kids yes, i'm sure yeah for sure and that's <laughs> that's the biggest thing and you know you got to keep it fun you got to keep them excited and we always keep them on our toes because the teams change you know all the time we have reversible jerseys we have four teams so um you know we can change we can change team, teams on the same day if we need to and that's where we've kind of evolved you know our, our first year we had you know set teams for two or three weeks and um it got a little stale and we just kept trying to 
you know, change the process a little bit to make sure that the kids stay engaged. And, um, you know, within those games, you asked earlier, the team's equal. And we, we try to make them equal, but what, what else we do is, like, let's just say we have 10 kids per team or, or it's nine. So within those teams, we'll always match. Um, just say it's our top five kids on each team. They'll always go out against each other. And then, you know, your lesser five will go against each other. So it's a, it's a minute and 30 horn. Buck stays where it's at. There's no face-offs, you know, goals. There's no there's no face-offs, and they just go. Um, there's certain rules. They got to take the puck behind the net, and after they score, after a save, um, they got to they got to uh, uh, call check up or at center of ice if they're going to go four check again after a goal. Um, and then, like I said, if the horn blows, then it's a new group of, of eight or ten kids that come out and of of like talent that um, you know will battle the next man and a half. So, so Judd, I think you're talking to two guys here that have the same philosophy, same beliefs. Um, I sure, surely try to implement a lot of the same things you're talking about. When I was a, a hockey operations director, I know Miles um, has the same type of philosophy as well. I, I go back to the question about would you do things the same? You know, put yourself standing in a room with with 15 hockey operations directors. I, I know you have kids that play in the Blades, so I know you. You know what the city's kind of is like and goes through, but if if you implement the half ice structure, um, you know, in the cities that say an Andover program or whatever it might be, how how do you think that's received, and how would you go about trying to do that? And then would you be concerned about how many kids would just go to Minnesota Made and just try and get through the growing pains and and show that there's proof and, and that the system works or or how would that work is as you know minnesota made down here is huge in mites and squirts and and parents think that it's full ice games I, and miles and i always joke to each other that hockey is the only sport that plays on the same size of rink at, at the age of nine or ten as the nhl players do not any other sport out there does that at that age so um just curious to hear what advice you would give to you know, hockey operations directors down here trying to implement that squirt model? It's oh, a great question or a great, uh, great question and how I would do it, Ben. It, it, it's not easy. As, as you mentioned, Minnesota made. Um, I know that's one of the issues down there. Um, you know, if I were to be perfectly honest with you, I, I think it's, it's Minnesota. I think it's a Minnesota hockey problem as well. Um, I think they, um, are a bit too or way too lenient on on the process of, of of skill development i think we went backwards this year with the might process and allowing you know full ice games um, i would like to see it personally come down from the state um to you know to implement something like this um where you know we're we're solely focusing on skill development we're developing these kids you know like marty st louis has said you know, when we're the old school way is to teach a kid how to play hockey, right? The new school way is to teach a kid the skills, um, you know, how to how to shoot, how to how to uh, how to pass, how to turn, how to use their edges, so they can play hockey when they get older. And that's what you know most people don't understand is that um, we're trying to teach these kids, we're trying to give these kids the skills so they can play hockey when they're 16, 17, 18, and not be one of those kids who are, are left behind and, and don't are unable to. You know, whether it's make the junior varsity and have to play, you know, junior gold or something like that. Um, and it's hard. Like, I get it down there and, and people look at you like you're crazy. And I have people, you know, when I do come down there for spring hockey and, um, you know, that one one father made the comment, like, what are you, 
what do your kids think? Like, when they don't get to play real hockey, and I'm, and I'm like, what? I get offended right away. And I'm like, what do you mean <laughs> real hockey? I said, this is real hockey. Um, this is why it's real hockey. This is how it's real hockey. And, again, we're not worried about our kids, you know, being the Wayne Gretzky at, at 8 or 9 years old, 10 years old. We're worried about how good they are when they're 15 and 16, 17, 18, and beyond high school, hopefully. So, you know, I, I know the, the question is tough. Um, the results, I guess if it were me um, and coming down there and having to, to, to implement something like this, I would strictly use our results, right? Like, it would be pretty easy for me to to uh, to show what we've done, how we've done it, where these kids have came out, um, with our squirt program when they did hit full ice or do hit full ice after Christmas or after, you know, the middle of the, of January. Um, and then ultimately, you know, where some of these kids maybe are, you know, skill wise with their peers around Minneapolis, you know? Um, but it's guys, it's an uphill battle as you guys know. Um, but having said that we were down in down at the Minnesota convention, hockey convention, I think in September and, it put one of the the um, lectures, or whatever you want to call it, the things was about this our, our squirt program, and but there was a lot of good feedback, um, or a lot of good questions, a lot of good programs that want to implement it, a lot of good emails after, but most of those programs were you know from out the outskirts of Minneapolis, you know, mm-hmm. um, they weren't the Minnetonkas or the you know the uh, Edinas Lazettas. It was it was um, you know like the Mankatos and, yeah. and certain programs outside the metro area where. Um, you know, things are a bit easier. Um, well, I think you hit it on the head right tough. away when you said the, that you wish it would come down from Minnesota hockey because I, I don't know if you've listened to any of, of these in the past, but Miles and I actually did one kind of about the squirt game count and and game counts in general, and, and I'm a firm believer that 35 is plenty enough, um, if not too much at the squirt age, but how after squirts it just kind of goes to a free-for-all um, for Peewees and Bantams. And as you know, up north it's different for you, but in the cities there's Peewee and Bantam teams that are, are playing 65, 70 games uh, when the season's over. So, so yeah, I wanted to ask about that. Just, I mean, you, you said you start playing, your squirts start playing full ice games, what, January 15th. How many full ice games do they get in for the season? Uh, generally it's about 20 to um, I, I, maybe 25. Okay. I think our squirt black team so far has played 12. 13 maybe. Um, so it, it, you know, it depends on how good the, you know, the teams do it, but maybe Squirt international or, you know, the tournament we were down in Minneapolis. So you might add a game or two, um, you know, with those results, but typically we try to for sure get over 20, um, but definitely under 25. Um, so less, less than the the limit, less than the limit that's imposed by by the state. So, um, I, I just wanted to follow up on your one comment about, people saying that your son doesn't get to play real hockey up there. And it's like, if you watch a 10 year old against 10 year old game, Edina versus why is that like at square day? It's like, that's not real hockey either. Like a full ice game yet. No. Like it's in my opinion, like real hockey doesn't start until like 14, 15 U. So yeah. Um, There's no question. Yeah. No question. And that's the, you know, that's the hard thing. And that's, you know, as, it doesn't matter who you are or where you are. Like you still have those same issues, like real hockey, they think is a full ice game. And, um, you know, unfortunately we don't have enough people that believe, you know, like we do that, 
you know, the, the ice rink has to be condensed and the, the players have to make hockey plays. And, um, you know, you look at Sweden and then I, I go back to Sweden and Finland a lot. And they implemented a new program. And I'm not sure if they stuck with it or, or not for sure, but they were doing at U, at U12, 13 and 14, they were playing cross ice um, for their games. Not even games. They were just, that was their new test um, model. Yeah, as far I, as I read that, I read that really long study. I think it was like a 2019 or 2020 big study. Yeah, um, I think exactly. we're, we're gonna we're gonna do an episode detailing that whole there, that whole thing. So there was a USA Hockey guy I remember about five six years ago told me the only reason we do so many full ice games at Squirts is for the parents. That if it was oh, USA Hockey, yeah. if it was USA Hockey's way, it would just be half ice cross ice games at Squirts. But they know it's uh, for the parents, and you'd probably have those black market programs start up like minnesota made and they pop up all over the place so anyways I, um, I, I agree i think that's the problem yeah all right um well we can move on we just have a couple more for you i uh, don't want to keep you too long um thanks again for doing this this is awesome oh um i wanted no i wanted yeah. to ask about uh, obviously east grand forks has uh, produced a lot of high-end players over the last 5 10 15 years um what do you contribute that to coming from such kind of a, a small starting base and being able to produce uh, division one talent? You know, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think, you know, first and foremost, it, it, it's, it's going to come down to ice time, right? It, 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 we have a lot of, we have three rinks. We have, you know, we have a population of 9,000. So, um, we have a, we have a lot of ice. I think, um, you know, you're talking nine, you know, in the last 10 years, obviously our, our process, you know, is a lot different 10 years ago than it is now. Um, but having said that, you know, it, it still produced, you know, has produced division one hockey players, which, you know, which is great. Um, but you know, the, the, the process, as I said before, it starts at termites. I look now, you know, from our, from our, our kids going now, and I think our kids honestly get, just get so many touches from termites to mites to squirts even, you know, through peewees where we're not focusing on breakouts. We're not focusing on, you know, the, the systems of the game. We're focused on skill development. I think, you know, in the future and even kids that have, or, you know, at our high school level who have got some of this training, not, you know, as much as our, our, uh, our younger kids, but I think that's gonna, you know, play a role in why, you know, the kids are at the level they're at. Um, but ultimately, it's a, you know we're a hockey community. We uh, um, take a lot of pride in in our program. Take a lot of pride in our coaching. Take a lot of pride in um, you know getting the kids on the ice and hopefully doing things the right way. Um, and it, it honestly comes down to practice, right? Like you mentioned before, some of these teams, the QE teams and and whatnot, are are practice are playing you know 60, 70 games. Phantom same thing, and you know the the practice to to playing ratio is way off way off in that in that correct uh, in that scheme so our our practice to, to play ratio is, is completely opposite of that and um, kids get better at practice um, obviously their games are fun time um, hopefully time where we can you know see things that we need to work on see things that we're good at see things that um, you know the kids are good at and maybe you know go back the next week and whether it's on Monday night maybe we got to work on you know focus on shooting more we got to focus on something here there more and I just think it's the buy-in too. Is you know the buy-in from 
high school all the way down to termites. Our high school coach is very, very involved. And uh, I think the the um, communication between, you know, that level all the way down to our termite level is makes us, you know, unique in the sense where, you know, we all get along. We all we all believe in the same process. Um, we don't deviate from that process. We trust it. And uh, and with that type of um, camaraderie, it, it, I think it really helps us out. Hey, Judd, uh, how many days a week are your – you've mentioned termites a lot, that that's where everything starts. How many days a week are your termites on the ice uh, and, and your mites on the ice and your, and your squirts, like the three youngest levels? How many days a week do they get uh, ice touches? So our termites are on twice a week. Um, they're on Tuesdays and Saturdays with probably two open hockeys, one or two open hockeys. Our squirts are – our mites are probably on the average of one – Four days a week um, would be our mites. And then our squirts are on, I would say, an average of uh, five point five and a half days a week probably. Okay. Some days it's six, some days it's five. And, um, you know, our, our peewees. But when you mentioned the mites are on four days a week, <laughs> are you – you had said, and even with your termites, you, how many of those are on the ice with, with structure – uh, versus a non-structure type setting. Uh, what do you mean by structure and non-structure? I guess like, like you had said, open hockey. So the termites were on the ice oh. twice a week, but then they also have open hockey opportunities. Yep. So in the cities, we don't really we we don't have that option of of the open hockey. So when you say twice a week, and then you say twice for open hockey, explain kind of what that is, and and then at the mites, is it the same where they have you know two to three practices a week with the coaches running drills, but then they also have two days where they could just go play open hockey. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So our, our, again, our termites will have one to two open hockeys, two structure-based practices. Our, our mites will have, I would say, like I said, four structure-based either practices or cross-ice games. Um, and then they'll have one or two open hockeys a week. Um, and the same thing with our squirts. So they'll have, you know, at least five practice or five ice touches a week. Not all practices, but they might be half ice games on Friday night, half ice games Sunday morning, um, practice on Saturday. So, uh, but they're all um, structured, so to speak, um, with an open hockey, maybe one or probably one. Um, termites, I think, might get two, um, but the the uh, I think the most the, the rest of the program is is around one, and it's but it's changing a little bit even now with. Well, outdoor ice, but <laughs> this is not the season for outdoor yeah. ice. So, yeah. um, it uh, <coughs> excuse me, didn't work out as good as we wanted it to this also, year with um, more open ice. But how many how many mites do you have, <laughs> and then how many bantams do you have? I'm just curious to see the the difference in those two numbers. Yeah, our mites are at uh, our mites are at about thirty. 33 i think and our bantam 33 you know skaters and goalies 33 to 35 our bantams are at 30 with three goalies 30 skaters three goalies so i might be off by a number yeah so that's that's really interesting to me that you have not very much fall off from their six seven eight years of youth hockey um not many kids are are giving up the game up there yeah that's no, that's true. We don't, um, 
we don't. There's there's uh, you know, occasionally, yeah, you know, a player will will decide to, you know, they don't want to play anymore. But um, for the most part, you know, if there is, or if there are kids that decide to, you know, to quit, normally it's between um, their Bantam years in high school. Yeah. Um, you know, those those are that's when maybe we'll see a kid or two drop off. But for the most part, um, you know, during youth hockey, um, our numbers stay pretty good. That's really cool. Hey, Judd, just uh, I think maybe one more question here or two. We'll let Miles kind of wrap it up then. Um, again, joined here by Judd Stouse, uh, uh, development coordinator. Did I get that one right, Judd? Yep. For East Grand Forks? Perfect. I just had to make sure I outdid Miles on this. Uh, so recently you guys chose to go double A at the Bantam and Pee Wee uh, level, and you see that amongst other uh, single A high school teams, Matamidi, for instance, Hermantown, uh, maybe some others out there that I don't know about, but um, you guys chose to do that. I think last year was your first year. Talk to us about maybe the thought process to why you chose to do that, and then at the same time, maybe sort of any uh, behind the scenes talks about East Grand Forks looking to do that at the high school level when this group uh, of AA players comes up to high school. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, to go back to the the AAA conversation we had, you know, we had we would we had that conversation a few years back, um, winters back, I suppose, before we chose to um, ultimately, you know, move to move to AA. And and again, it goes back to a lot of research, a lot of um, a lot of reaching out to people who who uh, you know know the game and and seen us play and have watched our program or heard about our program and, and just to want to make sure that we're again, making the right decisions, you know, based upon what we have. And, you know, we, we looked at our, at our, it was our junior class right now. We looked at their youth hockey numbers playing a hockey um, and went through and, and their win loss record for, you know, versus an a school. I think they were around 95 or 96 and five against a schools, you know, in their four year career, um, at Pee Wee and Bantam level. And I think of those five losses or six losses, whatever it was, five of them were to the same team. Um, and then we did the same thing with their double A, you know, them playing double A schools. And they were somewhere around 40 and 15 against double A schools in their four year, you know, career, whatever you want to call it, youth career at, at the double A level or A level, I should say. Um, and we obviously know we, you know, we saw that number one, um, they were, you know, pretty successful at the A level. They won state championships at the Bantam level back to back. The Pee Wee team would have probably won, you know, good chance they'd have won state. As Pee Wee's, um, unfortunately, COVID, you know, took that year out for them. Um, and then we, we looked at the Pee Wee's as well that that won the state championship in the, at the A level. Looked at that group of kids and what their record and was. And I think they were like 65 or something, 67 and two. Um, in 25 and four, roughly against the double A schools. So, you know, we look at it, we do some talking, we look around and, um, you know, not to be, I don't want to say like arrogant, but at the same time, like our kids weren't getting, they weren't getting pushed. They weren't losing. Right. Like, I think it's important for kids to lose. They got to learn to hate to lose to really, um, figure out what it takes to win. Um, winning always isn't easy. And I don't think our kids were getting challenged enough or we didn't think our kids were getting you know, challenged enough. And, you know, it's one thing you can play a double A schedule, um, you know, for, 
for some of your gains. You still have to hit your A schools. Um, but ultimately, when it comes down to it, and you guys know as well as I do, that when you get into a section championship or you get into a region championship or region tournament, everything changes. Like It's all ramped up. It's harder. And, uh, you know, teams are always bringing or, you know, trying to bring their best. And ultimately, at those situations, we have to we have to struggle. Like we gotta, we gotta learn how to play in tight games. We gotta learn how to, how to, you know, win a tight game and beat a, a, a top tier team. And um, we just didn't feel that, that those kids were getting pushed at necessarily the region level and maybe even sometimes at the state level at the, um, in the A class. And, and we, you know, did some, like I said, a lot of research and we need to do, make sure that as coaches, as a program, we can figure out, um, we know what their weaknesses are, what like getting them exposed to a, a, a top tier team and, you know, maybe getting beat five, six to one. And, Oh, maybe we got to come back and work on mm-hmm. our edges. We got to work on our shooting. We got to work on our, our passing, you know, and when you go in and win games six, seven, eight, one every weekend, it's kind of like, well, oh, bad. what do we go back and do at practice? Yeah. Bad habits you know? creep up. Um, bad habits. And you, and you, uh, you, you ultimately, um, when it gets to high school, as, as you know, Mitch, like it's it's a totally different ball game. When you mix three classes, or you know, sometimes you know a fourth and a freshman or two, it, it, it changes and it's tough. It's a lot tougher, and it's not like youth hockey. So yeah, again, we're trying to prepare our kids for the high school level and hopefully beyond as much as possible. And by creating, you know, a, a challenge or a more a, certainly a lot bigger challenge for them at the youth hockey level, you know, who knows? Maybe it makes ten kids in the summer say, you know what? our chances to go to state this year are nearly as good as they were last year because now we got to get through Moorhead, Duluth East, Grand Rapids, you know, yeah. um, now maybe they'll put, you know, a little bit more extra work in to hopefully achieve that goal at the, at the double A level. Yeah. I love it. All right. Um, I think that's, uh, I think we've covered, um, everything we could in a reasonable amount of time. So again, we really appreciate it. The, the main thing I want to get across and listening to you talk is, is I think there's a lot of like perception out there that, um, you know, people ask like, why is East Grand Forks so successful? And people kind of write it off as like, you know, they play outside all the time or they just drop the puck and let them play pond hockey. And it's like all of your answers today have been so well thought out. And there you can tell that there's a lot of research that goes behind it. And the other thing I wanted to get across and make sure that people listen um, to is like some of this stuff can be done all over the state and all over the country. And there's no reason why just because you're a bigger association or you're in a different geographic location, you can't start to implement some of this stuff. So again, thank you, Ben, you got anything else for him? No, thank Judd. Thanks for uh, coming on. We appreciate your time and um, taking time out of your day here uh, midday to, uh, to join us. So we appreciate it. And uh, um, you know, we certainly uh, in the cities applaud what you guys do up there. And, and again, it goes to a lot of the Northern uh, programs, right? I mean, just the amount of talent that the, the Northern teams produce year after year with a with a smaller uh pool size is, is extremely impressive but what you guys do and um you know is certainly something that the city's people that that love hockey do take note of and look at and uh you know we appreciate your time coming on and sharing your insights to things no i appreciate it guys and and, and thanks again for having me on and i i always enjoy talking hockey it's um, one thing i'm comfortable doing so um anytime and i again appreciate your guys' time and um wish you guys the best yep if you're ever down here in the cities we could 
connect and continue this conversation. Come watch any uh, Wise Adam in a Tonka game or something. <laughs> Miles will get you in. There you go. Thanks, John. Right. Thanks a lot. See ya. Thank you, guys. See ya. All right. Again, we were so lucky to have uh, Judd Staus uh, call in to the podcast today and talk East Grand Forks hockey. So many interesting things that they do. And what I didn't realize, like, and I said it on the call, and I th- when I thank Judd, is like, this stuff is so well thought out and researched. And I think, um, like I said, people just kind of say, well, they have hockey tradition up there, and that's why they're good. And it's like, well, no, they've been working really hard at this and making the best possible case for these kids and giving them the best opportunity to succeed, and I think it's really cool. Well, and they, you can tell they put – a lot of time into it, like you said, but also a financial backing as well as, you know, he mentioned he went to Toronto to learn about one of their, you know, on ice skills, um, clinics or, 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 you know, devices that they utilize with that pep. Um, you know, I don't know if there's many programs in the cities that are sending somebody to Toronto to, to learn more about that. And, um, just like you said, the research of, of Finland and Sweden and certainly a lot of time put in it by him and, and the entire community up there to, um, you know, do their best to, to produce quality hockey players. Do you have anything you wanted to... I mean, just a couple of things that I jotted down. I think that people, you know, in the cities, again, it's, it's, it is different up there versus down here, right? And I think a lot of people, hockey-wise, would agree. And I think sometimes the decision makers and, and maybe our ice availability uh, prevents us from doing it. But he talked about the small sizes, it was something that I was a, a big believer of uh, as a hockey director in St. Michael. Small sizes of the ice. Uh, of the teams. Of the teams. Uh, of the teams. So, okay. like, at squirts, um, you know, I think he's, you know, he said, what they say? 44 skater squirts, and they have – Four teams. You, you right away said three teams, and he said no four. So, again, I think, in fact, the district I think I'm sitting in might have a rule that you have to have 15 players on a squirt team. I'm not um, sure if that still exists or not. Nope, that's not a rule. Um we have uh, not not why is that? I'm just talking about District Three. No, we I mean, we we have th- thirteen okay. on our squirt teams. So I think you know a lot of. I know we had ten or eleven on our squirt teams, and and that's something that I would recommend to people is have the lower roster sizes. Don't be worried about you know. I think a lot of people I think well, what if a kid or two is sick and I only got nine? They're nine to ten years old. Just go play hockey. I mean, well, and also like if you have eleven or ten on a team. You can have three teams Team on correct. the ice. Correct. They have 44 yeah. kids on the ice. Every yeah. practice. Yeah. Every and single d- practice. And down here, we want our own ice for our own squirt teams. You know? So, again, it's, that was something else we did was we would do small sizes and we do three-team practices because the yeah. kids were all doing the same thing. Because, so, the, yeah, the smaller teams and more teams, the pushback is going to be, well, what, where are we going to get our ice time? There's yeah. an extra team that's gobbling up all these hours. Well, yeah. Three teams so, on the sheet. Just a small uh, roster size. I think even at Pee Wee's and Bantams, though, to, con- to uh, continue it. I mean, uh, the other day, I think St. Cloud played St. Michael and Bantam double A. St. Cloud had 12 skaters on their team. That's something they put on their team. Now, maybe their size of Bantams made them do that. But, again, we always think you have to have this money. And if you don't, you're losing games because you have less than the other team. Don't worry about it. Just worry about how many times your kid touches the ice, how many times your kid got touched the puck. So, and then with that said, just the ice touches. I mean, I think it was really interesting to hear, again, the ice availability, right? But how many times their mites get on the ice? You know, 
pretty regularly here in the cities. Your your mites touch the ice twice a week. Maybe some associations do three. If they're doing more than that in an association, um, you know, there's not many that do that. So to hear their mites get on the ice four times a week, um, you know, again, their squirt's five and a half. You know, you probably have some squirt teams that are only getting on the ice four days a week, um, maybe even less at some places. So just to hear those two things I thought was interesting, but it was – I mean, I thought he was uh, great to have on, a lot of information, a lot of knowledge, and hopefully somebody watching this uh, picked up on something. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, Highly recommend, uh, if you listen to this, spread it to your friends, um, because this is is an important important one if you're involved with uh, especially young hockey players and and you're involved in coaching and you're involved in a, a hockey association, so... Um, if you have any questions, we can get them to Judd on anything that we may have missed. Um, just email me at hockeyops.org, and we will see you next time. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Miles. You bet.